Come and dream with me. Every week we get together to talk about movies, TV, and online content. Help me answer the question, do you shy away from watching boobs on screen? No. That's what the filmmaker intended. <laughs> I'm your host, Ashley Oakley. Join me today, Dylan Blight. That's the worst start to this show I think you've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't even finish what you were saying. Jesus Christ. Oh, man. Can't believe that TikTok is like taking over the internet. It's weird. <laughs> did you see? I retweeted someone did a parody of it for Shrek Two. It was yeah. so good. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm sure you know about it, but yeah, it was a woman who her and her partner do not like. Or he doesn't want to watch. No, it really triggers him. It. Yeah. Apparently, the full story is that he had like a porn addiction, or like she was. No, she was traumatized by him watching porn behind her Well, back. we found out we found out since she's there she's like ultra christian ultra, ultra christian, christian yes sir. yeah uh but yeah i don't the moral of the story is don't bombs watch <laughs> killing millions of people fine Florence Pugh's bare breasts Florence Pugh's bare breasts blasphemous <laughs> yeah Florence Pugh's bare breasts have done more damage to me <laughs> Yeah, Flash Proof's boobies have done is worse than Hiroshima, is what we're. Yeah, that's what I'm what we're taking away from this. Yeah. On today's episode, what do you want to watch? We talk about what's history, what's history, go and some film news, giving some thumbs to trailers and talk, let you know this week's top three. Kick things off, Dylan, you've got a review over at explosionnetwork.com or Strays, the latest animal comedies. With voice by Will Farrell, you have a two point five. Tell us how you really feel about stress. It's a fucking shit movie. Uh, did you watch this or no? No, I have not gone around to watching it yet. Yeah, skip it, eh? Um, yeah, so I, I, I think this is a bad movie. I think this is a, just a very. I don't think it's funny at all. I think it's just like the the. This is. I think this is what we need to stop letting happen, which is just the most like. We're doing like we're gonna sit out to make an R-rated comedy, and like that's fine, I guess, to a degree. But like then you like if you look at a movie like Joyride, and I still want to watch, and that's the one I call out my review. Like Joyride, fantastic, we love it, right? Um, raunchy adult comedy, done well. Watch that; it's great. By all accounts, I've heard no hard feelings or whatever is decent as well. Jennifer, um, what's her name? Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. Um, by all accounts, I've seen that's like decent as well. Strays is like, let's do our right, but all the jokes are just like so just I say in my review that I'm just very doubtful this is even written by Dan Peralt, who's done um we really like the TV show, um uh, what's it, the players and then um the dog shitting Netflix one. What the fuck's that called? Where you know the fake comedy, the fake documentary. Um fuck whatever that's called where they someone's shooting at the school um like all oh, those like um, you got yeah. it uh that one people know <laughs> what i'm talking about but uh, american vandal that's it american vandal so all these like these things with a lot of potty humor and stuff but done well and smart 
And then this, I swear, was written by AI. I'm just, I'm very doubtful it was written by him at all. I just, I cannot believe it. It just is the most like, went into some AI program and write two dogs. They're voiced by Will Ferrell and Jamie Foxx. It's an R-rated comedy. Write me a script. And I swear that this is what garbage came out. I didn't find it funny at all. I think the story's boring. It's it's literally Homeward Bound, but R-rated. Voice cast is whatever. I, I don't know. I just I just thought it was shit. To be completely off. I thought it was shit. Wow. Well, we can give it a 2.5 if I had anything nice. Yeah, but, I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, how it's surprising. So. Why are surprising? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know. I've seen a scale of reviews on this one, so it, it definitely feels like it's going to hit some people's humor button or not. Uh, so, I don't know if I'll rush out and see it now, because, you know. But, like, I like some no, of these, like, I, yeah. I like dumb movies sometimes when they're done well. Like, I think like, Cocaine Bear is another example of, like, a just dumb-ass movie. But it's fun. Like, I wouldn't give yeah. it, like, high marks, but, you know, mid-marks or whatever. Do you feel but, like it just goes for the lowest denominator joke? I just think it goes for the lowest the denominator. And it's just shit. Like, it's just... It's it's not new. It's just... I don't know. I just I, I just feel like it was just the most paint-by-numbers, boring-ass, unfunny movie I've watched in ages, to be completely honest. Yes. The trailer was good. But also the trailer has all the best parts. And if you watch the trailer, that's like the, the, the you could make a five minute short film version of this that would be funny. But then all of the jokes that you see in the trailer in like full context and everything are either go for way too long or they just don't hit as well. And they're just, yeah. It's fine. Okay. So that's Strays. Check out Dylan's review. Uh, I've seen The Haunted, well, Haunted Mansion, uh, the new upcoming film from Disney based on the theme park ride it's technically the second version of the haunted mansion adaptation that i've done i guess yeah, the I third Eddie Murphy if you want yeah technically the i guess the third if you count the muppets haunted mansion film that uh, they did on disney yeah. plus um so this one's directed by jason justin Simeon, who did dear white people and bad hair uh and stars Lakey stanfield owen wilson rosario dawson danny devito uh tiffany haddish uh, so Lakeith Stanfield plays a former astrophysicist who uh, marries a woman who's a ghost tour guide. Um, she dies, and he's but while they were together, he built this like camera that can, in theory, take pictures of ghosts. Uh, cut forward to several years, his his wife has passed away. Uh, a young f- mother played by Rosaria Dawson and her son uh, move into a mansion uh, and they quickly realize it's haunted. Uh, so they enlist the help of a priest uh, who then enlists the help of Lakeith Stanfield's character try and calm them, tell them the place is not haunted or like stop the the, the ghosts. Uh, but everyone who enters the mansion is unable to l- leave the mansion without ghosts following them. Uh, so they all have to kind of band together to figure out why the ghosts are still here, why they stick around, what's wrong with them. Uh, they enlist the help of a uh, medium played by Tiffany Haddish and then also a uh, historian played by Dan DeVito. Uh, and they, you know, hijinks ensue, I guess. Um, I thought it was enjoyable. Like, it definitely does not go hard in any particular direction. 
Like, it's definitely not the funniest movie you'll see. Definitely not the, like, scariest. I'll tell you, it's um, not the least funny you're going to see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's definitely not the most heartwarming. I feel like the... It's just, yeah. It's a family horror movie, I guess. Like, it's easy, probably the easy comparison. It's in the vein of uh, The House with the Clock... Was it The House with the Clock in the Walls? Yeah, that, say. The, the, that one, Eli the Roth uh, movie? Eli Roth movie or Goosebumps, yeah, something Black. like that, that that vein of children's horror. Um, so it's definitely one you could take your kids and feel <clears throat> comfortable, like they're not going to be freaked out or anything. Um, even though, like, it's mostly adult characters, so I don't know if, how much, you know, kids will love that. But, um, I mean, the effects look fine. Um uh, I enjoyed all the performances. Like, they're all likable enough characters and that kind of thing. I just, uh, just, yeah. It, it, there's nothing standout-ish about it. <laughs> um, yeah, and then the, there's a major, like, kind of reveal that is, kind of feels like it's, it comes out of nowhere. Like, the foreshadowing for it is not done very well. Um, leading up to the climax of the film, so. Uh, yeah, it's an enjoyable time at the theater. I suspect people just wait till it comes to Disney Plus. It didn't get great reviews when it debuted in the states, and uh, it didn't do particularly well box office wise. Um, but it's coming out like in. I feel like maybe they should have waited like another couple of months if they were going to delay it so much. Why wouldn't you just release this like in the lead up to Halloween? Uh, unless I want to get this on Disney Plus in lead up to Halloween. Um, how annoying is um, Jared Leto? I mean, not really boring because he's uh, <laughs> he plays the hatbox, mm. hatbox ghosts. So he's the villain. I mean, he can't really play a method. So, <laughs> uh, he's like, I yeah. actually killed myself, and yeah, he actually came back and himself. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's barely barely noticeable to be perfectly honest. So he's not that annoying, you know. Um, yeah, overall, it's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, there's there's some interesting set pieces. There's some cool visuals in there, but uh, you know, is it it is enjoyable enough? All right, moving on. <laughs> uh, Dylan, following up from last week, we watched the trailer for Vacation Friends too. Now you've watched Vacation Friends. I did. Remember I was saying before about the sometimes dumb adult movies I can enjoy? Mm. Falls into the category. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> yeah. I Yeah, so after watching that trailer we talked about last week for the second one, I, I think I went straight from recording to getting lunch to just watching it, to be honest. So I was like, you know what, fuck it, I'll put it on now. Seems like a, a good... Because the thing is, in case people don't know, I what they, why would they? <laughs> why am I saying? Like, the... The days we record this podcast, Tuesdays, Tuesdays is my sad day. So, like, usually after we get done recording, like, two podcast sessions, we do plat and we do this. Usually by the time we're done, yeah. I'm like, I just want to chill for a bit before I, like, go back and, like, try and do some actual website work or something. So, like, jumping off this and then being like, yeah, fuck it. Vacation Friends sounds like a good Saturday, my my Saturday afternoon yeah. movie. So, um, yeah, it was quite fun. I've really enjoyed John Cena. So, the the, the plot for the first film is literally so little ray howry and yvonne or uh orgy play a couple who are going this holiday to fucking i don't know the bahamas or, you know some really 
beach life, you know, fancy thing. Um, and they get there and he's prepared this like fantastic like suite he's like rented out or whatever and then they go to get to the room and it's flooded from above turns out john cena and his partner played by meredith uh hagner is uh they've accidentally flooded the spa above them in the room above and um now the water seep down so um they're sort of annoyed but then john cena's character so ron and kyla these just yeah they're this Two, the two the white couple they're super obnoxious and annoying and they're doing drugs at all point and nothing seems to annoy them at all and life just all seems like a joke and they're just absolutely fantastic they, they're like the, the the stupidest characters that don't seem like they would be real people and it sort of just works especially i don't know uh, john cena sometimes just lands these roles where i'm like you, you can do comedy like quite well in these these where you get to sort of play out of thing lil ray howry is just doing lil ray howry which is like you know yelling and complaining about that you know if you've seen him in a, a, other movies like it's just him but it's fine it works this as well um i don't say there's anything like super like the the arc for the characters if you want to call it that is like I enjoy how this movie seems like it's a rom com when it starts because you got the the introduction of their characters, but as it goes along, it's actually like it's not really a rom com. It's actually a, a friend com, I guess. Like it's it's about how these two couples form a friendship as couples instead of like the couples having fights with one another, which would be the 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 way it usually goes and stuff. Um, yeah. So looking up after, I was surprised. You know, like I, I mean, look. I'd probably give it like a you know six to seven, like it's enjoyable, it's not great. But um I was like, why didn't I hear about this? And then yeah, so because of COVID, it got stuck on Hulu. I definitely feel like if this had gone to cinemas, it probably would have done better because I can imagine watching this with a, a full cinema, like everyone laughing would have been a lot of fun and everything like that. And John Cena on a poster would have got bums and seats. So um yeah, I'm keen for the second one. Uh you also checked out a film called Malum. Malum? Uh, so Malum is I I found out after. So who's the director? What's the director's name? I don't know much about this filmmaker until this. Anthony DeBassi, right? DeBlasi, DeBlasi. So he he's done a movie that I've never watched called, and I'd heard of for ages, um, called Last Shift in 2014, which uh is the same plot as this film Malum. So he chose to remake his own movie about ten years later because he has more money now and like slightly changes some story elements from what I could see and stuff like that. Anyway, watch. So Malum is the story. And I guess last shift, if you want to go watch the, the older version, uh, mm-hmm. is the story of this police officer who her father at the start of the movie in this one, he's, he's just captured all these members of this cult, um, brought, uh, and it's like saved, managed to save a few people that were like, caught amongst this cult before they could be killed and stuff like that and then uh, the movie starts with her father and he's like sort of dan you can tell he's sort of distraught from what's gone through this and then he something clicks or something goes wrong you, you don't really know and he shoots a bunch of police officers before the police officers like uh kill him i'm uh, no, sorry they try to capture him and then he shoots himself so then cut cut ahead in time it's now his daughter and she asks to work the last shift hence the i guess the title of the other film at the police station where her dad worked and killed himself 
because she wants to like i don't know just just work at least one shift where her, her father was and you know every even if everything that went down with her dad she still believes her dad was you know obviously a great man up until whatever happened in those those last moments of his life sort of thing so she wants to work there but as soon as she gets to the, the police star, station weird shit starts happening like ghostly weird shit you know spirity weird shit are the spirits of this cult members still in there are there members of the cult out there still trying to fuck with her um a fucking pig gets dropped off at the front of the the uh police station at one point you know like lots of weird shit there's a there's a homeless dude wandering around um gets very weird i enjoyed it i thought it was good it's goes fucking jumps a shark i feel like at the end and i had to quickly look up the the major differences between if it was the same between this and the original and that that's sort of the start and the setup between the relationship and the way the father died and the ending a major changes so in last shift the dad was killed on the line of duty whereas in this one he's like more directly tied and like kills himself and like it's a bit more traumatic and stuff like that so um yeah some interesting changes i enjoyed it it's definitely Get, as I said, goes very fucking weird by the end. Um, you can tell, and I looked up some scenes from the the last shift. You can tell there's a lot more money in this one, especially for creature designs, uh, so like makeup, special effects. Like when when this movie gets gory, the the blood blags are uh, are plenty. Uh, <laughs> is how I would uh, put it. So, um, but yeah, I I think the, the only other thing I really didn't like. So nothing against the actress. Like so, Jessica Solo plays the main character, Jessica Lauren. She just like I really struggled. I just don't feel like there was enough for that character, enough given. And there's a relationship with her mother as well that they have in the film, but there's like barely anything of that. And by the time it becomes important, like there's a scene at the start of the movie and then like she shows up towards the end. I'm like, I just don't feel like I had enough time between these two characters to really care about this relationship or uh, anything like that. Um, the, the person I was going to shout out is Clark Wolf's in this. So, if anyone used to watch a lot of uh, Collider content, and um, like she used to host a like horror movie podcast for them, and she, she still hosts stuff, and she used to host the DC, lot of DC stuff. So, I don't know if anyone watched any of that sort of stuff, like I did. Um, she's in this, and she's really she's probably one of the actual standout cast members in it. To be completely honest, she plays one of the, like cult members, but um, she's yeah. really really good. So, shout outs. Uh, so I watched a documentary called My Old School. Uh, so it's centered around a student called Brandon Lee who enrolled in Birdson Academy in 1993 in Glasgow, Scotland. Um, normal students, uh, you know, joins the school, kind of ingrates himself to the school community, uh, becomes a really good student, makes, starts making friends, uh, becomes a lead in the school play. Two years later, a massive secret is revealed about him and it changes like what everybody thought about him uh, and the impact that had. So the documentary is uh, finds all the former students, all his former classmates, and kind of interviews them on recollecting the events of uh, that two-year period. Um, but the kind of standout thing that will probably catch people's eye is the Brandon Lee did not want to be seen on camera, but he did give audio interviews. So to uh, display that, uh, they got Alan Cummings to lip sync to his audio performances. So he's on screen lip syncing to the audio interview and doing performance that way. 
uh, because Alan Cummings was set to play Brandon Lee in a movie that fell through. That's why he kind of, that's the connection as to why he came and did this. Um, I found it really enjoyable. Like I kind of knew what the secret. There's clearly the the secret that I, I knew beforehand, or like I got the inkling of what it was, like pretty early on. Um, but I don't think it really affects anything if you knew what the secret was. Um, it is yeah, it's just really well done. Like uh, like it really interesting like having people's different memories of what actually happened and what took place and then them trying to figure out why they didn't work it out early, earlier and that kind of stuff. It's also got this really cool animation cut in between to like do flashbacks to events that happened uh, and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, just a really interesting documentary. Um, it doesn't answer all the questions that I have at the end. There's like one thing that this person does that doesn't really make a lot of sense. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it, it's a fascinating documentary. Um, yeah, it's also the director is one of the former students, which is why it kind of has like personal ties and that kind of stuff. And he kind of was able to interview or have like a personal connection with all the interviewees and that kind of stuff. Um, they were able to get like a lot of archival like photos and footage and that kind of stuff. So. Uh, definitely worth checking out. Uh, it's currently on Doc Play. I don't know if it's available anywhere else. Uh, Dylan, you've been watching some chain co- Chainsaw Masks this week. I have. Any reason in particular? Yeah, it's the 40th anniversary. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, so they, the... Of the I actual murders or the movie? Oh, you know, all of it, I think, right? They all happened at the same time. They the made actual, the movies the exact same time. That, yeah, it was coincidence that, that, that happened yeah, the exact yeah. same time. That, that Ed Gein did his killings that didn't actually involve a chainsaw, but they were like, nah, true story. Um, yeah, so I, I watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and then I watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, um, which was the the two films directed by um, Toe Pooper the, the, for the, the two. And then after this point, we get off into, you know, different directors and, and stuff like that. Uh I think the first one holds up. I love the first film. I I understand that if you maybe if you try to watch it now, like if you're coming into like you're like I'm really getting into horror movies and you know I'm fucking sixteen years old and maybe if you've you've watched too many modern movies, maybe that it, it can be a struggle. I guess I can I can get it, but it is like it sort of coined the the slasher and the way those films would play out and for such a small budget. So like I do have rose-tinted sort of his. i know it's not even rose-tinted it's just like you got those his, historic element gla- glasses on for some movies you know where you're watching you're like this is just part of cinema history so um it's like such an important i I, f- I feel like the first film is like super important to horror history so um second film's absolutely wild i still can't believe they made it but so for you wouldn't know this because you don't know anything about you don't fucking care about horror movies but no. So they make the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So Tobe Hooper and Kim Henkel, who wrote the the movie, they they think they're making a black comedy, right? They think they're making a they they set out to make this dark comedy. They think it's funny. Um, they want to make it PG. They that's why the movie has no blood in it, right? Or barely any blood. There's not there's no whenever people actually hit chainsaws, it's not actually like you don't see limbs flying off or anything like that. Um, however, what ends up happening because of this, and it's sort of I guess a, a um 
uh, a history in filmmaking is that sometimes less is more, you know, like because they set out to not show things, the the way the tension builds up throughout the movie and everything, suddenly you had people going to watch this movie in the 70s going, this is the fucking scariest movie of all, of all time at the point, even though they set out to to not make it the, the, the scariest movie of all time, which is sort of funny. So about 10 years later, I think, or whenever the fuck it is, it's about 10 years later, they make Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. And this time, instead of being like, I'm going to leave it up to the cinema, the, the cinema going audience to work out if this is a supposed to be funny or not they just went absolutely ham on the over the top elements of the characters the film like so the plot for the second film is you've got dennis hopper playing a, a, a lieutenant right now he's the uncle of two of the characters that are killed in the first film and he's like i need to get revenge on these motherfuckers i'm gonna track them down like he, he catches a whiff of some killings that happened at the start of the movie and he's like yeah this is them this is that family i'm gonna fucking get them so he tries to track him down. Now, I'm going to spoil this movie because it's old and who cares? And I just rewatched it and there's some wild things that happen. So instead of like, you know, like trying to discover where they're, they're, they're living and like marching in there with his fucking guns and just shooting them, he goes, no. There's a scene where he literally goes to a chainsaw store and like weighs them up and he buys like three or four chainsaws. And then at the end of the movie, he's like going through the family's facility, which is apparently some really over the top underground lair for some reason. And he's got like two chainsaws and gun holsters. He's got one over his back. He's got one in front of him. Like he's got four fucking chainsaws. Dennis Hopper's going absolutely wild. It's, 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 it's it doesn't make any sense at all. I'm like the guns, you could have just shot them. I got, Anyway, uh, this is also, I think, the first or second movie of Bill M- uh, Mosley, which, of course, uh, people know I'm a big fan of because in some of the greatest horror movies of all time, aka House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects, where he plays um, Otis. So he plays one of the new members of the family in this, who is a, like this ridiculous character who wears a vest and is like this Vietnam war vet and he's got like all the the emblems and symbols on it and you could tell like maybe he was a hippie back in the day but apparently he got shot in the head during vietnam i guess it's implied and he's got like a leather plate on but he just like the way he talks like if you just go watch any scene like if you google chop top texas chainsaw massacre 2 and watch him talking and just try and work out if this movie was supposed to be funny or not it's 100 percent supposed to be funny it's supposed to be absolutely ridiculous and then you've got Jim Seidel, who returns as the cook, like the the grandfather or whatever. I don't know what his actual relationship is. Bro- older brother? Fuck, I don't know. Um, but he returns as the cook from the first film. But they were like, no, it wasn't funny enough. Like, the, the implication of cannibalism in the first movie was scary. It wasn't funny, but it was supposed to be funny. So in this movie, they ha- the scene where he first shows up, like 20 minutes into the movie, is you've got um, the main character of this film, um, uh, Stretch, played by Caroline Williams. She's like a on the scene reporting at a um, hot chili contest, and then like it turns out that he wins. Um, he uh, the cook wins, and when he goes up to accept his award, of course, there's someone there's like, now what's your secret ingredient for your your hot chili mess here? And he's like, oh, I just got to find the perfect meat. And then she like sticks her finger in it and like eats some, implying that like of course they're all being eating fucking human flesh, and that's very good so i i don't say if anyone's not watched texas chainsaw massacre part two it is a fucking insane movie and the fact that they were like 
hey, we just made one of the greatest, and people wrote about it as one of the scariest movies of all time, and it's haunted and traumatized people. And then Toby Hooper comes back and he's like, no, fuck it. I didn't want to make a scary movie. No, fucking, it's it's a comedy. <laughs> like, it like doubles down. But then what's even funny is that from here, here on out, part three onwards, where they keep making, people go, look, I understand that you were trying to make a comedy, but it's a horror movie and no one ever tries to make the franchise ever funny again it's just like full gore like it's a duper chainsaw it's just it's such a weird like like sort of part of cinema history how this director tried so hard to like course correct his own movie <laughs> it didn't work out yeah it turns out people don't want a comedic retelling of a bunch of murder <laughs> well i mean the thing is like the, so the, the movie start with like this is a true story it's not a true story at all like if you and that's the other sort of thing is like ed gein is the per- person it was based what? off and he was all he did was like he played um he played with dead corpses and that was his major crime i think he killed like two people but like in broad daylight or like in a shopping center or something i can't remember there's movies about ed gein that are like more factual the only part i think of that that's ever worked in texas chainsaw massacre is in the first movie one of the characters that doesn't return for the second one and they imply that he died off screen is there's a dude who was like caught playing with corpses at a graveyard i'm like okay i guess that's it but there's no chainsaw there's no like massacre it's just you know 40 years i've been lied to yeah (laughs) i think it's that thing of like they put on a poster and said it's like based on a true story and people like man that makes it scarier you know Holiday. It's lies. Uh, Dylan, I'm really happy because we've been watching The Bear. I have been watching The Bear. Yes, that's the other thing. So I watched all the first season and I've just watched, I think I actually clicked two episodes instead of one, but I the last episode I watched was actually the uh, Seven Fishes episode. Oh, okay. That was the last episode. I, I was watched. excited because you watched the next episode, but yeah. No, so I've only, yeah, I, I, I double clicked by accident and then I was like, fuck it, I'll just leave it marked. Like, oh, I'm going to watch it anyway, whatever um yeah so the bear is really good i don't know what else is to everyone i feel like this is the most talked about tv show i haven't watched like the last like sort of 24 months so i felt like i should um catch back up to that especially because they're only half hour episodes oh they're mostly half hour episodes um yeah, I mean, <laughs> other the, than the, the last one that you watch yeah other than the last one i watched which i didn't realize and i clicked play last night with my dinner and i was like how the fuck long is this episode gonna go and then i clicked pause and saw it was like an hour 10 or something i was like what the fuck <laughs> I, was like, this mo- I was like this movie's a fucking this episode's a movie jesus christ yeah um they got me though i didn't even look so my bad anyway it was good but uh yeah so i don't know like that i remember when they they brought out the show and like it was get, you know it's getting on nominated and people nominated as like best comedy series and stuff i think this show is a comedy like have we have we been over this as this <laughs> Like it's got some funny moments between um, Jeremy Allen White and um, Elon Moss Bankrat. Like the, yep. th- those Cousin. two's like arguments at times. Like especially him. Like he's the cousin's obviously meant to be the comedic relief, even though he's a tragic character at the same time. Mm. And I really like him because he was in um, he was in like a lot of girls. So I know, I know that, yep. and he plays a very similar role here. To be completely honest, but that's fine. Um, yeah, I was like, this is not a comedy. Like it's a drama. It's got comedic elements. It has comedic yeah. elements, but I remember, like, it just I don't think it's actually a comedy. It's a it's a drama first with some comedic elements, but the um, comedy is you know tragedy with time. So I guess so. So for people who haven't watched this funny. show, I'll, I'll here, let me because I can't remember the last time I talked about it. So this is one of the most talked about, highly rated 
TV shows airing at the moment. So I don't know how you wouldn't have heard of it. But, but anyway, The Bear starts. <laughs> the first season is literally, you've got this dude, uh, Kami, played by Jeremy Allen White, one of the most talked about actors, I think, at the moment, to be honest. He's got yep. a lot of big movies coming up, so he's only going to get get a, uh, a bigger, bigger buzz. Um, he comes back and he's like taken over. His brother left him his restaurant, which is a piece of shit restaurant. Um because he killed himself so his brother Hilarious. that's how the show starts they're like the show they're the brother he killed himself <laughs> yeah like how funny is that that's great look um suicide how hilarious um and his brother run this piece of shit f- fucking like um sandwich shop sandwich much. shop like typical i guess italians like sort of meat shop i guess is the, yeah. the they're going for like traditional style sort of thing um in a in a fucking shit neighborhood and whatever else meanwhile it's Kami, a family business it's a family fair. business but it's a piece of shit um and then Kami's been off for the, the other time. He sort of been off running um, at one of or the best restaurant in America or the world. I can't remember what exactly it is. Anyway, he's like a world-renowned chef um, in his own right um, is, mm-hmm. is how it works. And the only character that really cares about this is um, Sydney, played by A.O. Edderberry. Edderberry, who's in everything now. Who's in everything now and is about to blow up also. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, And she's the only person that really cares about this and she gets hired in the first episode. And then basically all the other chefs that work there are like, they're all sort of shitty. And then the first season is him sort of getting the restaurant together. And then not to get into too many spoilers in case people want to watch it, but the second season is like, they're putting together, they're they're trying to redo it and like make it into his actual own restaurant the way he wants to run it and not just following... Um, just trying to fix up his brother's piece of shit place. Um, yeah, it's really, really, really great. I mean, the last episode I watched is like, I feel like the biggest example of this show not really being a comedy while also being funny at times, which is, it was just this like hour and 10 or however long it was episode with a million like people, like big name showing Guess up us. as characters. Yep. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <guest stars laughs> showing up. Uh, but it's like, um, if I like watching the argument scene in, um, and you wouldn't know this because you haven't watched it, but the argument scene in, um, fuck, what's that movie called? Ari Aster's film. Uh, fucking with Tony Collette. Uh, fuck. Hereditary. Hereditary. If I like watching the family argument scene in Hereditary to a degree, maybe not quite as dark in the following moments, but like the tension building up of that argument and then like exploding is how this hour plays out with this fucking family dinner happening and then insanity of how the episode ends and i'm just like this show's not really funny like like everyone in this i feel like everyone in this family's fucked up in their own sort of way and they've all got problems and no one wants to talk about the problems um they're all very like in like keep keep their feelings themselves and that's like half the problem i mean the only the only person that is like sort of consistently funny even even in that last episode seven fishes the funniest scene is when um pete brings in the eight fifth fish which was quite funny <laughs> that was very funny like just like him bringing it in and then Kami being like what's that he's like good to see you. What's, what's that don't you don't want to know he's like the fucking fish bring the fucking fishes <laughs> seven fishes you bring me fucking fuck you and then like even his partner pete's partner um Kami's sister like coming in and being like hey like hey 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 baby how are you like kisses and what's like what's that a fish you fucking kidding me and she just chucks out the door <laughs> uh that was funny but otherwise i was like it was fucking... yeah it's great Shit. It's good shit. It's good shit. Doesn't need to be funny, but no. it seems weird. Category wise. Yeah. Uh yeah. I sent Marcus off in the second season just to go fucking spend a couple episodes with um um Will Will Polter. Uh, Will Polter. I was like, whatever, sure. The show's I love that as well, because you think it's gonna be like a really like antagonistic relationship and it becomes very wholesome. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Uh yes. 
let's move into the mandatory Netflix segment of the show. Uh, so watch The Monkey King, the latest animated film on Netflix, uh, following, you know, the classic Monkey King story, uh, Wukong, the Monkey King. <laughs> oh, this is the one I watched the trailer for and I thought it looked shit, right? This is the one? Yes. Yeah, okay. I thought it was enjoyable enough, you know? I think the animation is actually very solid in motion and, like, in extended scenes. Um, it's a very... S- simple retelling of like the story of the monkey king uh pretty much you know he wakes up out of the stone as a baby monkey um and then is rejected by all the other monkeys uh because he's impulsive and uh mean and he kind of results in a demon stealing up another baby monkey (laughs) uh so he gets rejected he's kind of trying to build himself as a hero um he has like uh imposter syndrome i guess or like uh, feels like he needs to prove himself so much and that kind of escalates over the course of the movie um, to the extent where he steals the ma- he steals stick which is you know the classic the infamous staff that can grow to multiple sizes and that kind of stuff so it creates an enemy of the dragon king uh, and then he wants to he thinks if he beats a thousand demons he'll be he'll be accepted by all the immortals up in heaven or whatever um, so he sets out to do that. Uh, but then he pisses off the immortals and then, you know, he's pissing off all those other people. And then he uh, takes up this little, this little girl, Lynn, uh, joins him on a portion of his journey um, to try and help him. But she has her own motives and that kind of stuff. It's, it's a weird movie in that everybody is kind of just unlikable in a certain way. Because um, Monkey King or Sung Wukong is like kind of a dick everybody in the entire time movie but it's in a likable way lynn has her own motivations that are kind of unlikable um and then everybody else is kind of a villain <laughs> so it's kind of weird in that regard um but I, I it's a solid introduction to the myth um and they do leave it at a point where they could continue the journey of the west story uh which i think i would be on board for i think the voice acting is really good they got uh Jimmy Yang playing Song Wukong, uh, and then Bowen Yang voices uh, the Dragon King, who's like he's an underwater king, underwater dragon. So he's got a skin condition. So if he goes out in the sun, he gets really flaky. It's very funny. So yeah, and a lot of the action is actually pretty well animated and that kind of stuff. So I recommend checking it out. I don't think it's too bad. It's a, it's a fun time. Hour and a half. Monkey King. Say it one more time. Uh, Dylan, you watched... They cloned Tyrone. Finally, one of us watched it. <laughs> After, it's been out multiple weeks. I'm like, I should really watch that. Um, yeah, I liked it. I didn't love it. I felt like it was a bit too long, would be my major sort of thing. And the third... The, the sort of the transition into the third act seems rushed simply because the second act, I think, just had a little bit too much fun with the, the three characters just... Like, and I get it, like, so John Briega, Jamie Foxx, and Tiana Paris spend a lot of time talking and having scenes together in the sort of second act, and they're a lot of fun together, but I'm like, you should <laughs> tighten that up to get to that third act a bit faster, I think, for it to work and give that a little bit more time. Uh, but the setup for this movie is, in case you have missed the trial, it's a big Netflix one that just came out, directed by Jill Taylor. Uh, you've got, so basically John Boyega plays uh, a drug dealer, 
and Jamie Foxx plays a pimp, and Tiana Harris plays a lady of the night. <laughs> uh, and they, uh, it, this movie looks like it's set in the seventies. It is set during the modern day. I just want to clarify that as well. That's other thing, and that becomes sort of that is definitely part of the filmmaking and plays into the the plot even as well. Um, but the Tyra, I mean, how much is the sport? They they basically discover. I can't remember. I was trying to remember what they show in the trailer. They show the trailer. They discover that there is a secret facility in their neighborhood where a bunch of white dudes are running experiments, and there's clones of people from within <gasps> their neighborhood, and things happen from there. It's really hard to talk about the movie, I guess, because it's it's a lot of. Uh, there was a lot of just setup and then stuff happening, but I could, yeah, it's sort of hard to wear. But jo- so John Boyega is fantastic, I think, in this movie. He plays like a really good hard ass, which I've seen before. Like I, uh, he's like the first movie I ever saw him in was Attack the Block, and he played the he played the hard ass in that. So this is sort of coming back to that, but doing it with, with a American spin on it. Jamie Fox is fantastic as well. He is he has his pimp hand. And he goes bam, you know, like he, he gets his his pimp. <laughs> he's he like, I think he's having a lot of fun. This this character of uh, Slick Charles and everything else like that. Um, and Tiana Harris is fantastic as well. She's having a lot of fun. Um, and the, the, I just think the three of them are really really good together as this this duo, unlikely trio. Sorry, trio that um, team up to sort of take down this secret government organization. Kiefer Sutherland is introduced like over halfway through the movie as basically the. He's not the head head of the company, but he's introduced as our head, like a figure a figure person to come in. Who's sort of you can take as the bad guy for a point there. Um, yeah, it's very funny at times. Um, it's and it's meant to be funny. Like it is a, again, I something of a dark comedy, I guess. Um, the mystery is intriguing as they try to figure out how and what uh, this sort of what's happening to their neighborhood. Uh, but yeah, I would say that the payoff is good. I just think that it spent too long getting there, and I would I would have liked to have seen the, the, that second act tightened up a bit to get to that to the finale. All right, that's everything I watched this year. Let's move into a little bit of film news. Uh, of course, the actor strike is still going on, and the writer strike, uh, and apparently it's starting to hit Hollywood's bottom line um, due to the ongoing SAG after strike. Actors are currently prohibited from doing promotional work, and several sources told the Hollywood Reporter. The movies currently hitting theaters are losing out as much as 15% of their box office due to the impact of uh, lack of actor-driven publicity. Uh, of course, this is significant because the impacts of the strikes has been so far been mostly deferred. A month-long gap in the pump production pipeline is going to become a real problem for the start of next year, especially for studios who are dependent on box office revenue. The corporation shareholders tend to focus on numbers quarter by quarter rather than worrying about what things will look like two or three quarters in the future. Uh, the recent rounds, earning calls saw execs assuring shareholders that there was plenty of TV and movie reserve, and the strikes aren't causing immediate problems. Uh, of course, you know, uh, the Hollywood Reporter says insiders believe Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem will take a seven to ten million dollar hit at the box office due to the strikes. Uh, the lack of star power and publicity for recent releases like Mutant Mayhem Strays and Meg Two: The Trench is particularly stark when compared to Barbie. Pink and View Sensation released a week after the strike began, but already had plenty of promotional material uh, from stars Ro- Ro- Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling banked. Uh, 
is this potentially a turning point for the the strikes uh, now that it's kind of hitting studios bottom line or they're just going to have to steamroll through until they get what they want well man they're just going to start using ai now there's a time to pull it out they're like fuck it it's time to activate plan b we're just going to fire all the actors ai only we've got some scans of yours that you may or may not have agreed for us to use in other movies but it doesn't matter well that's interesting you say that because uh, another story (laughs) i've got is uh, on Friday, it's a, a federal judge on Friday upheld a finding from the U.S. Copyright Office that a piece of art created by AI is not open to protection under copyright laws. The ruling was delivered in order turning down Stephen Thaler's bid, challenging the government's position, refusing to register works made by AI copyright law, has never stressed so far to protect works generated by new forms of technology operating absent any guiding human hand. Uh, Thaler. In the absence of any human involvement in the creation of the work, the clear and straightforward answer is the one given by the register. No, the, the judge said. So yeah, potentially based on this precedent, anything created by an AI would not technically be available to be copyrighted. Good. So if you were to c- computer generate a script, yeah, that script would be for fair game for anybody else to use. Yeah. So would, and, let, and look, I've seen how they're getting around this. Just look at Strays. They said it was written by someone. But, oh. <laughs> Come on. Let's just, <laughs> Dylan, people can just be bad at their job. You know? I'm just kicking That's, the dog when it's down. You know what I mean? Uh, just put dogs. Um, yeah, hopefully this is a deterrent enough to like go, yeah, this AI thing, it's probably not going to, not a good direction to go down if, you know. I'm sure there'll be ways they could work around it and that kind of stuff. Like, I really like that wording, though, is what I'll say. That wording of um, uh, guided by the, the human hand or whatever, like yeah. as a descriptor. Yeah, absolutely. So, hopefully, strikes will be ending sooner than rather than later. But no, because I saw the other day that like um, more people were getting ready to strike. Who's 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 up next? I saw someone else was about to jump in. I don't know. Someone else. Some other. And you know what? Fucking just why don't you all just do it at the same time? Stunts. Yeah. Who's, who's not mean, going? Directors don't need to go, they just did theirs, right? Yeah. Um got the stunt people, you got the riggers, you got the sound people. Sound people. Yeah. The effects you know, people. Effects just the effects people, that's who I was actually thinking about. It was people. Okay. Yes, the effects people. Okay. So yeah, that's that's all happening. <laughs> People are like, oh, no, we need them to come off. We need movies to come out. I'm like, it took me two weeks to watch, to watch fucking they clone Tyrone. Like, I got, I'm good. Yeah, you're not in a rush. <laughs> I'm not in a rush. All right, uh, we got a new update on Netflix's Australian production slates. Uh, reading from Variety, three years into a local production effort in Australia and New Zealand, Netflix has greenlighted two new series, one feature film, and one full length documentary from Australia. These are in addition to the previously announced renewals of teen series Heartbreak High and Surviving Summer. And the go-ahead for Prestige, book-to-series adaptation, Boy Swallows Universe, and the kid animation, Eddie's Little Homies. Set in the Australian outback, epic succession tale, Desert King revolves around billionaire miners, traditional owners, cowboys, and desert gangsters fighting over the world's biggest cattle station the size of Wales. It's a hot, dusty, sexy outback western with guns and helicopters. Uh, Directed by Greg McLean and created by Tim Lee and Ben Davies with production by Paul Ranford. 
What? How does that sound to you? Would you invest? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no. I mean, yeah, I'm, I, I pretty much invest in anything Australian, to be honest. I'm okay. as patriotic I get for uh, for Australia as whenever I'm talking about like film and TV and, and games. In the, I'm getting behind it. I, yeah. I do want to say though, so I saw this pop up this morning, right? I saw the story mm. and I was like, oh, cool. Maybe I should write a new story for that. I got to check my in my inbox. I'm like, where the fuck's the Netflix normal press? Why haven't I got the fucking <sighs> I don't know I too, I, yeah well no because i still get press releases right but it, like this i'm like it's the fucking like announcing australian slate of content how come i don't have a press release like, yeah bullshit. they're also doing the survivors series which is an ambitious uh crime mystery adaptation of the novel of the same name by australian writer jane harper who people would know I'm down. from the dry mm. and the force of nature the dry two the stupidest nature, fucking the book dry title, movie yeah. title ever the book is just called force of nature fuck off set in an, a tasmanian seaside town the narrative explores the impact of unresolved grief when the murder of a woman brings uh events of 15 years earlier into focus uh again murder in tasmania yeah we love murders down here <laughs> we love a good murder uh, Love is in the Air is a movie starring Delta Goodrum as a seaplane pilot. <laughs> uh, flying in the North Australian tropics who falls in love with the man sent to ruin her business. Uh, uh, this, is my, this is my favorite part. Uh, so other cast members include Josh Jassy, uh, Steph Tisdale and Roy Billings shot entirely on location we pushed the boundaries by shooting in glorious 8K Vista Vision. Yeah. Okay. So I believe Netflix is trying to get a lot more 8K content shot. So they're future proofing themselves for when 8K becomes a thing in 20 years. Yeah. So that, cool. that film is set to release on Netflix on the 28th of September. Uh, and then they're also doing the documentary feature One Four Against All Odds. Wait, 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 wait! No, I'll just go back for a sec because I thought of a real good joke. Ready? So okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, cool. So I'm gonna put. I'm. I'm. I'm gonna log into my Netflix account at work so I can check out the 8K content, and I reckon I might be able to see Delta Goodrum's soul in that in that resolution. <laughs> I don't know if that works. The worst. <laughs> All right, move on. Uh, okay, next. All right. Uh, so that's releasing 28th of September. Uh, they're also releasing the documentary feature 1-4 Against All Odds, an examination of the drill rap phenomenon that is popular in Pacific Islander and working class parts of Australia, the genre's most popular Australian group, and the specialist police force set up to stop them performing live. Are you familiar with drill rap or 1-4? No. no. Maybe I am. Hold on. What are they called? 1-4. Like the one word four. one four? One yeah, all one word. Group. Let me have a look. One four Australian drill group group western. Mate, I need a picture. Hold on. No. No. So so what's uh what's what's drill rap? Drill is a subgenre of hip hop music that originated in Chicago in the early twenty tens. It is sonically similar to the trap music son- subgenre. Right. And lyrically similar to the gangster rap subgenre. Okay. Mm, cool. Yeah. So that's interesting. Uh, yeah. So more Australian content. You know, they've been killing it. Apparently, the uh, what was that? The Alice Hart series, doing great numbers like worldwide. Um, 
over on Prime Video, so I'm sure a bunch of people watched the Matilda's documentary in the last <laughs> mm. four weeks, uh, so they can become armchair experts about these players. Uh, so yeah, let's get get more Australian content on these services. Uh, this is an interesting one. More than a month since series creators shared the good news to Warrior, Warrior Nun fans that the series has officially been saved. A brand new update regarding the action, fan, act, action fantasy has finally revealed. A new video shared through WarriorNunSaved.com uh, announced that Warrior Nun would be coming back in the form of a movie trilogy. In addition, he also expressed his gratitude towards the fans and lent support of the show. Uh, it doesn't look like the show is coming back through Netflix. But there's no explanation as to exactly how these movies are going to be made. Uh, but, you know, congrats to the Warrior Nun fans who have been inundating Netflix social media posts constantly since the movie, the, the show got cancelled. Every time the show gets cancelled, suddenly I'm like, man, this show had a huge fan base. But I never heard about you motherfuckers until the show was cancelled. Yeah. I mean, the Warrior Nun fans, I feel like, have been exponentially more <laughs> vocal than any other group i've seen like the only other group that i constantly seen in netflix comments is uh the n of n of n with an e now that show there's a bunch of fans of that one that constantly want to come back but yeah i don't know how they kind of pull this off like is, is it feature films or like tv movies are they going to partner with somebody else very weird Fuck but you know good for them uh i don't again a weird precedent to set like do we really want fans like dictating <laughs> hardcore fans dictating what content we get i don't know there's a reason it probably got cancelled like numbers wise but uh yeah this is a morbius situation <laughs> they've been fooled into making something that nobody really actually wants uh <laughs> i'm sure it's fine uh so it was announced this week, The Mandalorian, WandaVision, and Loki will arrive on Blu-ray and 4K UHG later this year, marking the first Disney Plus original series to get a physical release. Uh, the first season of Loki will be available on the 26th of September, WandaVision on 28th of November, and the first two seasons of The Mandalorian on December 12th. The physical releases will come with both a collector's edition 4K UHD and Blu-ray disc, encased in a Lux Steelbox packaging, with collectible concept art cards and brand new box art designed by artist Attila Zarsaka. Uh, the physical editions will also feature never-before-seen special features. Dylan, what can we take from this? Obviously, it's not going to come directly to Australia, but it's interesting that Disney is now like putting money into physical releases of some of their original programming. I'm... Um... I'm so confused about everything. I just want to... Uh, let me just boil down to some some timeline of event. They pull a bunch of shows off Disney Plus that don't have physical releases, so you can't watch them anymore. At all. They're nowhere. Yes. They're gone. Yep. Forever. Then they're like, mm -hmm. we're not putting physical releases out in Australia and New Zealand anymore because they don't make any money there. Fuck that shit. We're, not, we're done with that shit. Gone. Let's get the fuck out of here. We're not doing it anymore. They're like, we're going to focus everything on Disney Plus. You need to give all your money to Disney Plus. That's how, that's how we're going to do stuff. And now they're like, we're going to put out some Blu-rays in America and see how it works out. I assume it, I do think this is just a testing thing. That's why they picked like sort of a couple popular things. Like yes, two successful, well-liked Marvel series as original shows and then two seasons of Mandalorian. Yes. 
to see if people actually buy them. Mm. But I'm still like, I don't know what the fuck they're doing. No. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, obviously, this is like high end versions as well. Like, it's not like here's Blu ray, here's a DVD. Like, it's just the show. Yeah. Like, mass produce it, put it out everywhere. It's like high end, steelbook, uh, collector's editions, uh, arts, like art cards that kind of stuff like do they realize that the the collector's market is where or like the yeah the collector's market is where the money is there to be made in physical media i'm gonna be honest i'm really in the last month with everything happening with physical media really making me want to spend more money on physical media not to say that i wasn't someone who already bought stuff but it's actually (laughs) made me want to buy more stuff yeah you want to hoard more stuff. I don't want to hoard more stuff. Case. I just want to... Support I, more stuff. I want to support more, you know, physical media. So you're going to buy these? You're going to yeah, import them from like America? like $50 to import Loki? <laughs> no, fuck no. Alright. Fuck yeah. Disney. And the um, physical of course, bullshit. This is on the heels of the announcement that Prey is getting a physical release. Yeah, I want um, that one, actually. 4K. <laughs> <laughs> um... Which that movie looked like ass on the stream service, I just want to say. It looks so much better on disc. Yeah, which coincidentally leads into this week's top three. Definitely in the top three. <laughs> this week's top three. Top three movies we would like to see get a physical release. So a lot of streaming movies uh, that have never come to physical media we would like to see on our shelves. Film was number three. I don't want to say it straight away. This was a very hard one for you. This for was me. surprisingly difficult. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, because like, it, like a lot of the ones that did release to streaming actually did get Blu-ray releases. Like something like a Palm Springs that I thought only came to Blu-ray. But yeah, did it come out in Australia? Because I would let you have it if it didn't come out in Australia. Uh, well, I what I did is I searched the film and checked like Amazon, <laughs> you know? Yeah, but you could be check- coming up on America because I've never seen Palm Springs in JBI if I personally that's fair so i don't know I, i'll say if, it, if it, it's not out in australia that i'd still say that surely you could pick it um all right so number three for me is midnight mass so mm. this is and i mean look to be honest i could have nearly just done um i like how you're breaking the rules straight away why isn't midnight mass a show yeah it's a series. <laughs> second word in the top three Oh, stream movies. Oh, yeah, that's right. fine. That's Just right. keep going. Just keep going. It doesn't matter. It's no. all all grouped together now. But I can swivel and save it. Um, no, I would prefer <laughs> Gerald's game. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I saved it. I saved it. It's fine. Save the fine. segment. It's I saved good. the segment. It's fine. I would love to see Gerald's game, or even. Hush. That's another one, actually. Even that counts. There you go. Look, I got three, all from the same person. <laughs> so, <laughs> my number three pick is Mike Flanagan. Um, his his <laughs> his catalog, his, yeah, his catalog of stuff that's on streaming services not that anyway. he's been fighting to get physical media of. Yes, and I am fully behind him getting those releases because I would like to buy them all. Mm. I mean, okay. I mean, my long story short is I just like Mike Flanagan stuff and would like to own it. That's fair. Yeah. That's very fair. My number three, <laughs> Hamilton. 
Disney Plus uh, released movie of the musical. Um, yeah, I think a Blu-ray or collector's edition version of that would be fantastic. You include like the sing-along version as well. Uh, I'm sure there's like a bunch of special features, or you could like you know get them to some documentaries and behind the scene features that would be really cool to have or like a retrospective on the show. Uh, yeah, I think that would be a really cool thing to own. Uh, and obviously like it would sell a lot of copies if those are really available. Like Hamilton fans are like rabid. They'll, they'll buy anything. Dylan, what's your number two? Glass onion. Dylan, my number two is glass onion. <laughs> nice. Just let us put them on the shelf next to each other. Yeah, I already own the first film. Why can I not own the second film? That's my. That's my. Pretty easy. I got no big demands, no big ass of crazy collector's editions with actual glasses, onions. I just want to own it. I just want a four K release to sit next to my four K release of the first film. How fucking hard's that? Yeah, I know. I'll tell you what though, researching this, like doing the searches, bunch of people selling. <laughs> bootleg online see this wasn't hard because this is something i usually this is something that i care about and have like a list (laughs) i i have a i have a background i mean i could do another list of movies i really wish had got uh blu-ray or 4k releases in australia instead of just being released on dvd that could be another quick fucking top three to get me fired up fucking hell if if i haven't got any ideas i'll i'll Shoot that one. Add it to the just add it to the list. I mean, one of them I've ordered in this week, right? So, j- j- quick side story. I, I JB last week. See, they had a you know buy three get one free or whatever. Picked up a couple of Blu-rays and um, stuff. Picked up Pearl. I was like, what the fuck? Why haven't I got X yet? I was like, why the fuck don't I own X yet? You know. So I go looking. No X on the shelf here. Look for X on the JB Hi-Fi website. Not uh, just the DVD. Ah, Google it. Why is X gonna did X get released in Blu-ray or 4K or anything in Australia? Nope, only DVD. So they only released DVD of the first film. Second one comes out, Pearl. They release it Blu-ray for some reason. I'm so fucking confused. Anyway, I've ordered X uh internationally. It's on its way. Alright. Dylan, what's your number one? What was my number one? <laughs> uh Gilmero de Torres Pinocchio. Oh, okay. Uh I feel like my so two, usually a lot of films that are on streaming, dark scenes that piss me off because of the, the bit rate getting swallowed up arse ends that I just know would look a lot better um, if I had a Blu-ray or animated films. I know that I would much prefer to watch um, and just have, it's, I know will look a lot better, brighter colors and, uh, and, and all that sort of stuff as well, Blu-ray. So yeah, I don't know if this is just recency bias, maybe. But, you know, I'll spend all morning thinking about this list. It'll kill me. Uh, but, yeah, Gildemaro <laughs> de Toro's Pinocchio. Fantastic movie. Would love to own that. Would love a steelbook for that because I think that, that you can make a really nice looking steelbook with, the like, some concept art or something, you know. would be cool. Yeah. Uh, my number one, Tick, Tick, Boom. I think uh, Academy Award-nominated film. Uh, fantastic performances across the board. Obviously, you know, based on the life of Jonathan Larson, I think as a collector's edition uh box set like you could include like a background on Jonathan Larson his story um yeah I think that would be a really nice one to have in your collection I call bullshit on all your answers because I don't think if any of these come out you would actually buy them well I would now 
Did I get you there, motherfucker? I got you there, didn't I? Let's give some thumbs to trailers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, you can find all the trailers we're about to talk about in the show notes below. Kicking things off with The Other Black Girl, developed by Jordan Redout and Gus Hickey, starring Sinclair Daniel, Ashley Murray, Brittany Adambamola, uh, Hunter Parrish, Bellamy Young, and Eric McCormick. Nella, an editorial assistant who was tired of being the only black girl at a company, so she's excited when Hazel is hired. But as Hazel's star begins to rise, Nella spirals out and discovers something sinister is going on at the company. Dylan, what did you think of the other black girl? I did double thumbs up. Looks fantastic. Knew nothing about it. Start watching the trailer. I was like, this just looks like a little bit of a wholesome, um, you know, wholesome but odd story about two black girls meeting each other at a workplace full of white people and then it gets really fucking weird and crazy and it switches genres halfway through the trailer and i was like cool i'm in i'm on board don't know what the hell's going on but i'm down yeah i'll give it two thumbs up it's it's definitely an intriguing trailer um obviously building on you know the hilariousness of black people having to deal with white people um and then slowly becomes a horrific (laughs) series of events like just you know there are just the reflections and that kind of stuff. And then the wall of like the white old people mm. coming to life. Scary. Mm. So, yeah. Uh, apparently based on like a very well-loved book. So uh, yeah. never yeah. heard of it, but never heard of it, but I'm sure people will be excited for this. This is releasing on Disney plus September 13th. Next trailer is for uproar directed by Hamish Bennett and Paul Middleditch, uh, starring Julian Dennison, Reese Darby, James Ralston, Mini Driver, and Arana James. A 17-year-old student is forced to get the, off the fence that he was actively sat on all his life to stand up for himself, his family, and his future in this heartwarming story of identity. So, what did you think of this little New Zealand film? Double thumbs up. Uh, fucking looks fantastic. Looks really, really good. This is the this is the type of movie I watch, and I go, I wish I could watch that now. Everyone looks great telling this story this interesting um story about you know sort of um yeah so it, there was a movie about discovering yourself obviously this kid struggling and then also discovering not only um himself but he's a he's a heritage i guess he's becoming more one with his actual hmm. um his uh i guess his married family or whatever yeah yeah i'll give it two thumbs up as well i'm very interested uh to check it out um it's interesting because I always think that like racism is isn't as big a deal in New Zealand, like because Maori culture is so like prominent and like well, it's only prominent because uh, we the see hawker is like constantly yeah. done by like or yeah, but that's like saying like, that we talk about welcome, we're like, talking about welcome to country in sporting events the other day, and it's like saying that racism in Australia is a thing just because you see welcome to country. Yeah, but people don't complain about the hawkers being performed. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> How do you know people over there don't complain about hackers being performed? That's fair. That is fair. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this looks really interesting. Julian Dennison looks really good. Uh, yeah, very keen. Uh, so I think it's already out in New Zealand, but is releasing here in Australia on the 30th of November. Next trailer. She Came to Me. Directed by Rebecca Miller, starring uh, Peter Dinklage, Marissa Tomei, Joanna Kulik, Brian Darcy James, Anne Hathaway, Harlow Jane, and Evan Ellison. Composer Stephen Loudham is creatively blocked and unable to finish the score for his first 
for his big comeback opera at the behest of his wife, Patricia, formerly his therapist. He sets out in search of inspiration and finds much more than he bargained for. Tom, what do you think of She Came to Me? Uh, double thumbs up. Looks really funny. I'm, I'm keen. I don't know. I'm interested because I know this has already got reviews. It's out in America. It's got very mixed reviews. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. But as far as the trailer goes, double thumbs up. It looks, yeah, I think it looks very funny. Yeah, two thumbs up as well. I think it's very well put together trailer, like building up the premise, setting up the characters. Um, okay. And Hathaway looks very funny as a therapist who's kind of, you know, a clean freak. Marissa Tomei is like the tugboat just, captain. Who's I'm going to muse. What? <laughs> I thought I was angry at you, but I thought I was. Now I realize I'm amused. Yeah. Looks funny. I'm definitely going to see how that all plays out. Mm. Um, yeah. Like you said, I think it debuted at Berlin earlier this year. Or like one of those one the of the earlier film festivals. Yeah. And got mixed reviews, but I'm definitely keen to check this out. Um, so it is releasing wide on the 29th of September in the States. No Australian release date. Next trailer is for the Persian version. Uh, directed by Mariam Keshavaz, starring Leila Mohammadi, uh, Nisha Noor, Bijan Danishin, Danishmand, Bella Water, Tom Byrne. When a large Iranian-American family gathers, a family secret is uncovered that catapults the estranged mother and daughter into an exploration of the past and discover they are more alike than they know. Dylan, what did you think of the Persian version? Uh, double thumbs up again. I thought it looked really funny and great, and I um, uh, keen to watch it. I don't know. I yeah, I'm so, it's having a week where I've, I was watching old trials. I'm like, These are all good trials. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I got, I got, I got much. It didn't, it didn't like. It's weird. Like, I think the trailer's double thumbs up. It didn't like super jump out to me at the same time, but like, I was also like, this solid. I'd watch. Yeah, this is two thumbs up for me as well. Like, um, an interesting look at a family unit that you don't necessarily see a lot of, um, and then the hilarious situation of a gay woman becoming pregnant from a a man who was dressed up as a woman. <laughs> Uh, he's an actor. interesting. He's an actor. Um, very interesting, and the, just the style of the way it looks like it's going to be told, like um, Fleabag esque, I guess, uh, speaks to me and has me very interested. So, uh, I believe this debuted at Sundance uh, earlier this year. Took home like a lot of a, a few different awards, including the Audience Award for a drama. So, um. Or dramatic category or whatever. Um, Talking so about yeah. awards. Yeah. Uh, so very exciting. This one releasing limited in the US on October 13th. No Australian real estate. Final trailer for this week. Anatomy of a Fall. Directed by Justine Triette. Starring Sandra Hula, Swan Arloud, Milo Machado Grainer, Antoine Renartz, Samuel Thies, Jeannie Beth. Sandra, a German woman, is arrested for murder in France following her husband's death in the snow under mysterious circumstances. Having the couple's blind son as the only witness of her husband's death, Sandra tries to prove her innocence during the trial. Uh, of course, uh, did very well at Khan from memory. Yep. So, Dylan, what did you think of this trailer for 
Oh, it took home the Palm Dior, so yes, it did extremely the, the, well at Cannes. The, the two films that were the most talked about were this and Zone of Interest, both starring yes. um, Sandra Hewler. Um, yes. Yeah, I'm very keen. Trailer looks great. Looks like a tense thriller. Fantastic. Can't wait to watch it. Double thumbs up. I don't need to see any more. I feel like I saw too much, to be honest, but um, I'm down. Let me watch it. Next year. Probably. It's a fucking neon release. Yeah, so, you know. Is it going to be in Tasmanian cinema, in Launceston cinemas? No. I don't know. But yeah, looks incredible. Um, like, very interesting setup. Uh, based on the basic premise, I didn't understand how it would be interesting, but like, obviously, the way this is trailers cut together makes it riveting <laughs> content. Um, yeah, I'm definitely excited to see uh, the resolution of what actually happened. All right, so this is releasing in Australian cinemas on the 25th of January, 2024. That's so far away. Dylan, this week, what do you want to watch? Uh, Ahsoka Tomorrow TV show is going to take the number one priority and pick this week, I reckon, and then Vacation Friends too. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely Ahsoka has got my attention um and then i'm definitely excited to go check out sound of freedom in cinemas <laughs> would you believe my fucking cinema is playing sound of freedom i've got yes both, i believe both cinemas both my cinemas are playing sound of freedom and none of them are playing talk to me i'm fucking fuming over here fuming fucking fuming um yeah uh i'm actually excited to check out rose gold which is the documentary following the australian boomers the basketball team um winning the bronze medal over in the tokyo olympics you know perfect timing the fiba world cup's about to start you know so they're all back together uh yeah that's one i'll be checking out this week all right let us know what you want to watch this week by going to explosion.com slash twitter or jump into our discord at explosion.com slash discord if you want to help us out here at what you want to watch, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. Leave us five stars and you can leave five stars. Or just tell people about the show. And if you've enjoyed this episode, Thor's worth a dollar, head over to our Kofi page at explosion.com slash supports. That reminds me. The other thing I might want to watch this week, Past Lives is having advanced screenings this weekend. So, mm, I'm discussing you know, this. Check out near you. No, I'm discussing this already with someone. Oh. We're trying to work out plans, so just stay tuned. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Until next time, keep watching stuff, I guess.